say in Hebrew, O Lord, let God be praised, for worthy is the Lamb who sits upon the throne, and mighty is the one who breaks the power of death. Before him we bow in praise and adoration. We cast our crowns before him as we will one day do for all of eternity. And we say, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. We thank you for this great celebration today. And now we pray from the Father's right hand that you will send forth your spirit as your word is read and heard. Let it be a blessing. Let it bring healing. Let it bring renewal. Let it bring your peace. May your kingdom come in Christ's name. Amen. Well, our second scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which we've been studying these past many weeks. And I would invite you to open up a Bible at home or here in the room. If you're looking at the Pew Bible, you'll find our text on page 936. And if you're able, would you stand with me wherever you are that we might honor the Lord and read this text aloud together as an act of worship? When we're done reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And if you believe it, you can say, thanks be to God. Listen carefully. You're reading God's holy word from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 17 through 20. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. Please be seated. If Christ has not been raised from the dead. It was all just an ugly dream. But if Christ has been raised from the dead, then Jesus will one day wake us up from that dream. Have you ever heard a sleep, a death described as sleep before? I bet you have. And Paul does it here uh, in this text where he says in verse 18, those who have died... Literally, what he says is those who have fallen asleep or those who have been laid to rest. Don't think about sleeping during the message today. <laughs> Death can be described as falling asleep. Now, for the first followers of Jesus, this was not a form of denial or some kind of euphemism. Why would they speak this way about something as serious as death? The Apostle Paul himself was saying a couple of sentences, death is the last enemy. Why sleep? Because it's the language of Jesus. Do you remember the story of the Jewish father named Jairus? Tragedy had come to his house and their little daughter had died. Jesus, coming into the situation, said, do not fear, only believe. The child is not dead, but sleeping. Sleeping. <laughs> they laughed. No, the child was dead, 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 dead. But he comes over her, as Jesus did, and he says, Talitha kum, which means, it's Aramaic. It means, little girl, arise. And she sits up. See, this is just the way Jesus spoke 
about death. It's the way his followers would begin to speak about death because around Jesus, death becomes as unstable a condition as sleep. I mean, you could hardly ever get a funeral in. People just wake up around Jesus. Jesus wakes us up. It's Lewis Carroll who uses the phrase, ugly dreams. Any of you know the story Alice in Wonderland? Any children in the room? Raise your hand if you know that story. Alice in Wonderland, do you know? Yes, you know the story. It's about a little girl who falls asleep by the side of a stream, and she has a dream. She starts dreaming, and what's in the dream? A little white rabbit, a mad hatter, and a queen who runs around saying what? Off with their heads! <laughs> My favorite character. <laughs> and then at the, end of the, at the end of the story, the very last page of the book, we find... She's just been dreaming. She's just been asleep the whole time and the whole thing. It's all been a dream. Now, the man who wrote that story also wrote a letter to children for Easter. And I I wonder if you let me read from that letter this morning to you. It's a letter about ugly dreams. That's where I get the phrase. And what it's like to wake up. So can I just read a little bit of this? You can't really say no. It's not fair. I love preaching. So I'm going to read. I love this letter. This is my favorite. It's called An Easter Greeting to Every Child Who Loves Alice by Lewis Carroll. And he writes this. Dear child, please to fancy, if you can, that you're reading a real letter from a real friend whom you have seen and whose voice you can seem to yourself to hear wishing you, as I do now with all my heart, a happy Easter Do you know that delicious, dreamy feeling when one first wakes on a summer morning with the twitter of birds in the air and the fresh breeze coming in at the open window? When lying lazily with eyes half shut, one sees, as in a dream, green boughs waving or waters rippling in a golden light. It's a pleasure very near to sadness, bringing tears to one's eyes like a beautiful picture or poem. And is that not a mother's gentle hand that undraws your curtains? And a mother's sweet voice that summons you to rise, to rise and forget in the bright sunlight the ugly dreams, there's the phrase, that frightened you so when all was dark. To rise and enjoy another happy day, first kneeling to thank that unseen friend who sends you the beautiful sun. What he means is, When your mother comes in and wakes you up, or grandmother, caregiver, whatever scared you in the night, whatever ugly dreams you have, they're just gone all of a sudden. And in comes the breeze of a warm summer day, happiness. And Lewis Carroll is saying, this is kind of what Easter is like. This is the promise of Easter. Jesus wakes us up. Now, I know a little bit about ugly dreams myself. I've told you before, my mother died this past summer. Not from COVID directly, but she never made it through. Never made it through the pandemic. She never got back to the gym. Never got back to a restaurant. Never got back to her landscape design group. And most painfully for us, she was never able to get back on an airplane to visit her grandchildren. 
two years. And I wonder how many of us in this room right now or watching at home lost a loved one during the last two years. Would you just raise your hand? Let's honor those who, that we lost. Did you lose someone? Raise your hand high so we could look around. You lost a, a neighbor, a, a, a family member, a friend, someone in the last two years. They didn't make it through. So you know what this is like. You do. So I was on this gray beach. My family's in a circle. No one's happy. And we're all there. It's her grandchildren. It's her children. Dad's there. And I realized this is the first time ever we have all been together without mom. Ever. Most of us came into the world through her. And so here we're standing in a circle and dad takes off this backpack and he pulls out this little cardboard box and there's ash in there. Mom. And he's going, really? This is mom? And so they look at me, you know, the Christian, and they say, say something. <laughs> do, you, do you love that? Aren't you the one always asked to pray at Thanksgiving or whatever? Say something. And I don't want to say anything. I don't know. What, what, do you, what do you say? And so I reach into my pocket, and I pull out my phone, and I open up to this text, 1 Corinthians 15, and I, and I just start reading. I start reading, and as I'm reading, I'm thinking, this is surreal, right? This is like I've fallen into a rabbit hole. <laughs> I, I'm in an insane dream world, as Wally says. I'm in a dream, inside a dream, inside a dream. And I'm struggling to know what is real. What is just an ugly dream? And then these words. You read them just a moment ago. If Christ has not been raised. And immediately I feel seen. If Christ doesn't, apparently, (laughs) Paul, the apostle, Saint Paul, is raising the same questions that I'm raising. What is real? What is death? What is life? If Christ has not been raised, apparently there's some in Corinth, this little brand new church in ancient Greece that were struggling with the same question. What is real? They want to know. What happened to Jesus? What's going to happen to us? What is life all about? And it seems like there's some people in this church who don't believe in the resurrection from the dead. Paul tells us that in this chapter. And he sees the struggle. He knows how hard it is to believe the tomb is empty. And he honors the challenge to get ourselves there. If Christ has not been raised. Now my family's not a church family. They don't do what you're doing right now. We didn't go to church uh, typically. So well done, you. <clears throat> and I'm looking around this circle And I'm trying to figure out how these words are landing, you know, with my family members, siblings and cousins and spouses. British scholar N.T. Wright says, take away Easter and Karl Marx was probably right to accuse Christianity of ignoring problems of the material world. Take it away and Freud was probably right to say Christianity is wish fulfillment. Take it away and Nietzsche is probably right to say it was for wimps. But let's be honest, apparently St. Paul doesn't disagree. 
St. Paul says in verse 14, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, and you're still in your sins. Verse 18, and if Christ has not been raised, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. And then there's a surprise. Did you see it there in verse 20? If you've got a pen, circle that word in your program, but. But, P.B. Herman says, everyone's got a big but, and this is the biggest but. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who've died. But in fact, Christ has been raised. What? This is Paul, Saul. This is the Damascus skeptic turned believer. What? This is the persecutor of the faithful, soon to be persecuted for his faith. What? This is the saint that we call, but who will, without shame, boldly proclaim that he is chief of all sinners, but loved by God and saved by grace. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes, Paul says. I see the darkness of death. Yes, I dream the same ugly dreams. But, but, but oh, I smell a fresh breeze coming. But I feel a summer day through an open window. But oh, I hear a hand on the curtain. And is that not a mother's sweet, sweet voice? I heard that voice, a voice like that, on the beach that day as clearly as I have ever heard it, as I pray that you would hear it right now. I saw the box, I saw the gray ash floating away in the current, mom, and then but, but in fact, (laughs) she's saying, this is reality, here's what's real. And let me read reality through the Apostle Paul's eyes. And I'm reading just from chapter 15. This perishable body must put on imperishability. This mortal body must put on immortality. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body. It's raised a spiritual body in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will all be changed. We will all be changed when this perishable body puts on imperishability and this mortal body puts on immortality. Then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Reality, true truth, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And so too will all who put their trust in him. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. 
He's the one who gathers us here today, right now. He's gathered among us through his Holy Spirit. He moves among the pews. He moves in my heart right now. He moves among us to be able to say to us what he said to that little girl, Talitha Kum, my child, arise, wake up. I remember when my mom came to faith in Jesus. (laughs) It was a surprise. It wasn't sudden or dramatic. It was more like waking up um, on a warm, sunny Saturday morning. You don't really know when it's happening, but when it's all done, you're like, I'm awake. And she was. First, there were trips to church. What? Then there were some new friends. Who? And then there were some awkward conversations at the dinner table, and soon a Bible appeared on her bedside table. Same wonderful mom, but different in a wonderful way. See, when you come to to know Jesus later in your life, it can feel like Alice felt when she woke up on the side of the street. It was actually her sister who wakes her up in the story. Like everything in the past up to this point has been kind of like a dream. Sometimes sweet, sometimes ugly. See, around Jesus, it's not just death that's unstable. It's also our dreams, our illusions that we're our own creators, the terrors that one day we might be overtaken by our fears, fancies that we somehow belong to ourselves, or nightmares that we'll come to the end of ourselves and find nothing there, visions that are trapped in our little subcultures, too small, adventures that are far too small for the greatness of our lives. And Jesus invites us to wake up. Wake up to God. Wake up to the reality that God loves you, that he made you, that he has a plan for you. Wake up to the reality that God has a plan for all of creation. That you have a purpose in that plan and that the worst thing is never the last thing. And that in the end, it will be healing and justice and love for all that will win the day. This is the gospel. This is what we call the good news. And it's the story that you and I are in. It is reality. So often our eyes feel shut up to it because of the pains of this life. Again, St. Paul says in this chapter, for since death came through a human being, The resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ, the second Adam. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, and then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. You see, Easter is the beginning. It's a new creation. There's a new Adam among us. It's the beginning of all new beginnings. See, what mom came to realize is that eternal life doesn't begin at death. Eternal life begins the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the moment eternal life begins. And that's what the author of Alice in Wonderland wanted for his readers. Did you know that Lewis Carroll was actually a faithful believer? He was a member of the Church of England for most of his life. He was a deacon at Christ Church in Oxford where he taught math. Someone at the 
just the previous service, just said, oh yeah, we were there yesterday. Got a little book of Alice in Wonderland for our daughter. I think God wanted them in church today. And it was Lewis Carroll who said, I owe all to him who loved me and died on the cross of Calvary. I owe it all to Jesus. He loves you. Did you know that? Could I read the end of that letter? I'd love for the kids to hear this as well, this letter, this Easter letter for children. It's, it's actually my favorite thing that Lewis Carroll ever wrote. And the reason for that is we would sit on our couch when we were young parents with our kids all crammed in there, squirming, and we said, we want to read this to you. And I could never get through it without a tear in my eye because I, was, I would picture my children, you know, little toddlers, when they were all grown up at the end of their lives, long after their mother and I had gone and drifted out to sea. And I wondered in that moment, someday in the future, what Easter would mean to them, what Jesus would mean to them. Mr. Carroll writes, this Easter sun will rise on you, dear child, feeling your life in every limb and eager to rush out into the fresh morning air. And many an Easter day will come and go before it finds you feeble and gray-headed, creeping wearily out to bask once more in the sunlight. But it is good even now to think sometimes of that great morning when the sun of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Surely your gladness need not be the less for the thought that you will one day see a brighter dawn than this when lovelier sights will meet your eyes than any waving trees or rippling waters. When angel hands shall undraw your curtains and sweeter tones than ever loving mother breathed shall wake you to a new and glorious day. And when all the sadness and the sin and the, the darkened life on this little earth shall be forgotten like the dreams of a night that is past. Your affectionate friend, Lewis Carroll, Easter, 1876. I love that. So finally, let me ask you, if I dare, one last question. Are we going to live as if Christ has not raised from the dead? Are we going to live that way? I think this is the question that the apostle is putting to each and every one of his readers. And the question is, has he risen for you? For you? Is that your reality? Eternal life, everlasting life, abundant life, resurrection life. It's not something that starts the moment we die. It starts the moment we accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Remember, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls, he says. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Jesus brought someone here today to say to you, wake up. Today, 
He's not asking you to become a different person. He's not asking you to take on a new religion. He's not asking you to fix what's wrong and try to pull your life together. We learned a long time ago, we can't do that. Only he can do that. No, he's brought you here to ask you, to say to you, come to me. Believe in me. Those who say yes to Jesus no longer stand in their sins, as Paul says. Did you catch that phrase there, in their sins? No. He doesn't mean we don't do sins anymore, because we do. But what he means is we don't stand in them before God. He's talking about a new relationship to God. See, every human being, for Paul, is either in Adam or in Christ. We're in our fallen humanity or we're in a new rising humanity. We're either in our alienation from God or we're in Jesus' reconciliation to God. And the invitation of Easter is to come. Let Jesus, the second Adam, reconfigure your relationship to God, reconcile you at last for all time. So come stand before God, not in Adam, not in your sins, but in Christ. Put your trust in reality that Christ died for you, that Christ rose for you, that Christ will come again for you. Oh, I urge you, come to him. We cannot go on as if Christ has not been raised, can we? Would you put your head down and uh, pray with me, please? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, today we close our eyes, not to sleep, but to wake up, to see you, to imagine you standing before us right now as we do. We've heard the voice today of our heavenly parents speaking to us through your written word. We've felt the breeze of a new age blowing in our spirits through your Holy Spirit. We close our eyes to see you in the only way we can right now, by faith, faith. St. John writes in the Bible, God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has the life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have the life. I write these things to you, he says, who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. As you keep your head bowed with me, may I just ask you, do you know that you have eternal life today? Would you like to know? He wants you to know. So I'm going to ask you, if so, would you please raise your hand? No one's looking. I'll see. Jesus will see. Raise your hand as a sign to Jesus that you're ready to say yes and receive. Yes, thank you. Receive the gift that he came to give you. Raise your hand. Tell him you're ready to give all that you know of yourself to all that you know of him. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, he sees that. I see that. He sees that. Oh, praise God. He's at work among us right now. He's doing a miracle right now. Tell him you're ready to accept him as Savior and Lord. The Bible says if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yes, I see that. Yes, thank you. Thank you. It's going to take one more minute to let you think about his life and your life. Raise your hand now. Come to him. Yes. Wow. He says to you now, those who raise your hands, do not fear, only believe. Talitha kum, little child arise. 
Let's talk to him now by praying silently together. Lord Jesus, today at last we say yes. We wake up. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for breaking the power of sin and death and evil over me. Thank you for rising from the grave. We, we place our trust in your work and your promise that you've got us and that by grace, we've got you and your resurrection life in us. <laughs> it doesn't mean our lives are perfect. It doesn't mean we will not sin. It means we're ready to let your death on the cross pay the price for our sin. It means by faith that we will stand before the Father in Christ, in you. It means that our true lives are now our new lives in Christ. It doesn't mean our lives will be easy. It doesn't mean they won't be sad. It means we're ready to let you disturb our dreams to help us live in what is reality. Not our own fictions, but in your story, the good story. We invite you to wake us up to the beauty and power of the new creation that began that first Easter Sunday. Fill us, we pray, with your Holy Spirit and empower us to follow you in this world and the next. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, I have one last request, if I may, of you. I'm gonna just ask for everyone to reach out and grab one of the cards in front of you or the card that's in the chat online pull it, or pull out a smartphone. I'd love everybody to do this, please, if you would. Pull out a smartphone and you can go on your phone to upc.org slash Jesus. Just type that in, upc.org slash Jesus or the card, it's the same thing. And what I'd love you to do, hit the response button because here's my conviction. I think what we're standing in today, this miraculous historical event, demands some kind of a response. And I don't know what your response will be, but I'd love for you to think, but how will I respond to this today? And indicate a response in that card, the virtual or the physical. What's your response? Check one of the boxes you can write in the comment or on the, the back. Just a word or two that describes your response. And if you made a decision today to say yes to Jesus, if you raised your hand, I beg you to check one of the boxes that indicate that. It's so important. What we want to do is we want to give you some information. So please put a little address info in there if you would. I want to personally mail you a couple of books that will help you get started in your new life in Christ. Just a gift. Do that before you go today, would you? Thank you.